0: Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott, that's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson, running four wide here on a Monday afternoon. Good to be back together. Good to be back with all of you joining us live at youtube.com slash cover three. If you're listening to us on the audio product, uh, please go and give us a five-star review. Hey, that five-star review is a great way to get in a question for a future mailbag episode. We are grabbing questions from the mailbag almost once a week. Uh, So if you would like to contribute, if you'd like to be a part of the conversation, then please go and do that as well. If you're watching live, smash that like button. Just, just real quick. That's all you got to do. It's no big deal. Smash that like button, uh, hop in the chat, subscribe to the channel. Uh, we, we appreciate that in advance. We have uh, finally the opportunity to do something that floats around on the off season calendar. You know, Every offseason, we know we're going to look back and uh, we're going to grade, we're going to analyze, we're going to give our thoughts on the coaching carousel as it has spun. There was a story, a slowly developing story. We've talked about it more than a few minutes here on the cover three podcast regarding Brian Harson and his future at Auburn. So we kept delaying this coaching carousel show because I don't know, Auburn might open up, Auburn might open up and and we will get to the the coaching carousel here in a minute. But after, I don't know, in an eight or nine day span, I think that six or seven of those days included the message. It might happen today. And sure enough, Brian Harson gets uh, a a vote of confidence from the Auburn administration. We have completed our investigation, our, our wide-spanning investigation into the head coach in the football program, and, and we are going to move forward with Brian Harson as head coach. Brian Harson released a statement. He and his family have seen the best in some people and the worst in some others, and we're really disappointed with some of y'all and we're emboldened by others. So as Brian Harson moves forward as Auburn's head football coach, um, like... I open open floor here. How does Brian Harson move forward as Auburn said football coach? What is the best path uh, for he and the Tigers if they're going to try to find some kind of level of success this fall?
1: It's pretty simple. Like you know those devices that you see in movies and television that can like scan for wiretaps. He should scan everything in every room he enters from this point on to see if there's any wiretaps. He should check for cameras, and then after he finds out the room is clear, he can go back to coaching football. <laughs>
0: But he doesn't he, cheat. That's the problem. You oh, it's not, it's
1: not about does. cheating. I'm just saying they are going to be they're going to be looking for anything, anything, because it's clear that a lot of people in power there want him gone and want to replace him. But they couldn't because they couldn't find enough dirt or whatever the hell they needed to make it happen <laughs> cheaply. So th- it's going to be a mission from this point on to find a reason to be able to do it. That's all.
3: It's such a dumpster fire. I don't know if the I, like. I feel like it's irreparable, and yet you have to run with it. Like there's no choice. Like you can't go in a different direction now. Like I feel like, like you kind of wish Brian Harson would have been like, "All right, screw you guys, I'm out of here. You don't want me." But I wouldn't do it if I had all that money coming my way either. So then you're kind of both, because I can't imagine Brian Harson's pumped to be at Auburn still. You know, like I just, I, like I, I haven't might be been done in-
0: projecting myself onto Brian Harson.
3: He is he has thrown me for enough loops
0: here where I was like, I don't know, this guy's a
3: wild card. (laughs) Maybe maybe so. But I I just I I don't know how this is fixed or resolved other than, you know, a disastrous next season. I think the writing's on the wall, but what if he's seven and six? Or what if he's, you know, what if he's eight and five and he loses a bowl game you know like what what is the record is it a record based or is it relational based is it the players make a push for him say he's our guy is it beating Bama like I I don't know like what would be enough in any scenario I look like I look at like the amount of transfers who was gone the staff turnover I look at it and say this year is going to be a disaster for Auburn so like yeah then I'm kind of like well you guys should have just ripped the band and band-aid off and cut another check because the more there's so much negativity. And I saw this happen in Florida state with Willie Taggart. Like you have a fraction fan base. It's not good. Like it's not good. It's not healthy. And very rarely does it work in the end with a finished product on the field. So I, you guys know my
4: thoughts on the long-term outlook for Brian Harson at Auburn. I was willing to bet you and give you odds that he would not be the head coach in 2023. I mean, now it looks like he's going to coach the season here in 2022, uh, I think they wanted Brian Harson out for a couple of reasons. One, uh, he did not mesh with a lot of players. I don't think you can go and be the hard ass in modern day SEC football if you do not also follow it up with recruiting and recruiting at a high level, which is the other thing why they wanted him out. Now, I mean, good on Brian Harson for saying, no, pay me my money, and no, I don't want to sign an NDA if you're not going to give me the full boat, right? Because – Auburn kind of did him dirty in the way they they tried to do it. And, like, I think they were probably right to try to move on from him as fast as possible, and I'm not really a big, like, make a quick head coaching change guy, but uh, I don't think it was going to work out there. I thought it was a bad fit from the start. I thought the guys he hired on staff from Boise were not going to be very good recruiting-wise. Uh, now they have a really uphill battle recruiting. I mean, A&M is killing it. LSU is going to do better than he will, certainly. Georgia is Georgia. <laughs> and, by the way, Nick Saban – uh, is still not retired yet, uh, but Chip, to your question of how does it work out this year? Maybe you start five and zero, right? With with Mercer, San Jose State, Penn State, Missouri, and LSU, um, all in Auburn. But if you don't, we're going to be talking about a coaching change in October.
0: So inflation's
4: I- only rising. I mean, eighteen and a half million is uh, it's going to go down. I think to twelve, and um, you know, then that means you only need to pay six up front and. Hell, twelve million might be like you know today's dollars might be like nine million by the time we get to October. So, uh, who knows? I look, I there's a lot of stuff going on there, certainly. And Tom's right; they didn't find the actual cause because because is not actually a reason. Shout out the office, but it's it's not going to work. Let's be real about this. Like they're they basically have kind of a you know lame duck season coming up.
0: See, Do you I think. I just think that Brian Harson is selling something. Like, he imagines that Auburn can be a team that doesn't need to go and get the five stars. That it's going to be the OKGs, and we're going to win with culture. We're going to win with execution. It's almost like he he wants to imagine Auburn as a, a what Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky, right? Where you know we're just going to win with this culture and this toughness, and we're not going to be lighting it up with these five stars. And I just think that just doesn't run with what Auburn, what powerful people at Auburn want. And the Auburn idea would that,
4: fire Mark Stoops if Mark Stoops had Kentucky-level results at Auburn.
0: Yes, that's what I'm Period. saying. That Brian Harson, even in the best-case scenario, if he's not going to play the game of talent accumulation and try to rely on his own coaching and his own player development, then you're never going to have enough time to even see the best-case scenario of that working out.
3: When you say – do you guys think the culture – how much of this do you think is a reflection on Brian Harson being too hard and Gus Malzahn being too soft? It's like, I don't, I, I'm torn on this one because I think you like, think the transition had to play a role, yeah. Roster? Like, clearly, that's a sh- shock to the system. That to me is what the transfer portal is for. Like, if you signed up to go to play with Gus Malzahn and he's one style of coach and he's, and you know, he's let's say a little bit less disciplined, a little bit friendlier with his style, you know, he's just a little bit more cordial with you, and then all of a sudden, let's say you get a coach like Brian Herson who's the total opposite of that, he's a disciplinarian, he wants to come in. Like there's going to be a weed out process with the players, and I totally get that aspect of it, and I appreciate the players that stood up and were like, "No, we're not looking for like a guy can coach. If you want a best friend, find it somewhere else. But the guy can coach." And I almost felt like that was a like not a shot, but a. Uh, um, like an indictment on Gus Malzon. Like maybe he was too friendly. Maybe that's why they were good, but not great. Like maybe that's because he was a little bit too close to the players. Like when I saw Smoke Monday's comments, you guys see what he said about not he knowing his parents? About, you know, yeah. I'm like, what is this, kindergarten? Like you want him to call your parents? Like this is college football. This is a big time business. So what if he doesn't call your mom and dad to check in and make sure they're okay? Like, I get it. Like, some schools may do that. Maybe Gus was that way. Maybe he was cordial with everybody. But I can promise you, my parents in four years never got a phone call from Coach Bowden. And I guarantee you, he didn't know their name. Now, the thing that Coach Bowden was good about was he'd be like, hey, how's your mom and dad doing? You know, like, he would ask about them and act like he was interested in them. But there was no point in him having a conversation over it. Like, it just wasn't a part of it. I, I don't, like... And maybe it's just a change in today's player where all this constant recruiting, constant recruitment, maybe you have to do that. But I look at some of the players there and I'm like, stop crying, go out there and play. Like the coach wants to win. And some of the players did feel to feel like that was cool with them. Like, Hey, our coach is disciplined and he wants to win, but it just feels so fractured. Now it's beyond repair. But some of this, I do like as much as we want to blame the boosters. I think the locker room, not buying in and, to, to, to be fair, Brian Harson, not to be able to get them to buy in, you know that's a, that's a big part of this problem too. did you use the word did you use the phrase "weed out intentionally? Yeah, because I think you okay. do want to well, weed I, out. I thought there was absolutely. a double meaning there from you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. you know, okay. and this happens at every you know every school and we're going to go over the new coaching hires, there's going to be painful relationships where guys don't buy in, and guess what? if you don't want them there. You need to get them to transfer. Like you might want them gone, you know. So, and I know that's something that has happened at Florida State again. Like you know, from a first-hand level, like they're not everybody's going to buy in, but that's okay. Like you don't have to have them buy in. Just it's to okay, as long as
4: you replace it with talent. And yes. the p- talent Auburn is bringing in is not matching up to the talent that is leaving. So they are going backwards in terms of talent on that roster, and the Boosters correctly ascertain that that's why i fully agree with with them trying to get him out. i don't really agree with some of their methods obviously, but like they're not wrong. they see that auburn is going to backslide under harson because they are not bringing in quality players.
1: but i think i talked about this a little bit last week. the underlying the real funny thing about all this is that none of it's going to matter. It, you could have fired harson and hired somebody and it wouldn't have changed anything. like auburn would recruit better but they'd still be in the same division and same state as Alabama. They'd still be competing with LSU. They'd still be competing with Texas A&M. They'd still have to play Georgia every single year. Like and we talked about it. Gus Malzahn had top 10 recruiting classes wasn't winning titles, wasn't winning the division, wasn't winning the SEC like he did the first year there when he first took over when he had, you know, they got to the BCS title game. But after that, it was a whole hell of a lot of eight and five seasons. And then, you know, some wins over Alabama to keep the, the wolves at bay a little longer for another season as he would begin every single year on the hot seat in danger of losing his job. So at least Brian Harson will be keeping that tradition at Auburn alive. That's their greatest football tradition right now. And but it's I, I don't know realistically what coach are you bringing in if If you're Auburn right now, that's going to change any of that. Jimbo's at A&M, Brian Kelly's at LSU, Saban's at Alabama, Kirby Smart's at Georgia. What are you changing? You are going to be the third place team in the SEC West. That's just what you are until Nick Saban leaves Alabama and you're just kind of, you know, burning all your money trying to fix it when you can't.
0: Uh, John Mack in the chat says, uh, does the booster behavior, uh, does it matter in terms of the Auburn job's attractiveness do these tactics and these scandals mean that other coaches would stay away from this job?
1: Um, Depends on the paycheck because I'm sure some coaches will happily take 8 million for a year to get fired. But I think that it definitely impact. I think if you're looking for the kind of coaches they're looking for, for somebody who can win a national title and can bring that kind of process Hell yes, it impacts how that coach views the school because he's going to have other options. So why is he going to come to your dumpster fire when he can go somewhere else and fix things a lot quicker?
0: Billy Napier was uh, targeted for the Auburn job in the last cycle before Harson was hired. When he was introduced at Florida, there was a lot of talk about alignment about everybody being on the same page, and about uh, things that apparently he felt were comfortable in place and not as in unstable at Florida as what was happening at Auburn. I, I think that if you are, are missing out on potentially great coaches on the rise, your only other option is to pay out the ass just to get what like a Brian Kelly kind of hire. Like you just you, you go to James Franklin and you say eight point whatever, you know, you just you do something absolutely stupid because it's very difficult based on the way that things have gone for these head coaches. If I'm a coach on the rise, I'd be worried that whatever happened at Auburn would mess up my trajectory in a way that could keep me from reaching my own peak as a head coach.
1: Who was the last head coach at Auburn to leave that school for a better job? Who had a Whose career improved after Auburn? Gene Chizik won a national title and got fired. Gus Malzahn it, left Auburn and had to go to UCF. It's not it's, exactly it's a, a job point. that's catapulting you anywhere.
4: It's also not really like, it doesn't see itself as a stepping stone job. And I don't know that it necessarily should. Like to me, Auburn is a top 20 job. It's not a top 10 job. Like is a top 20 job a stepping stone job? Where are you stepping from Auburn to? I, I guess if, if you really kind of, Shot the gap and hit it right where you were killing it right as maybe Georgia opened or something like that or or you know Ohio State I I guess um, Chase Edwards in the comment section I, if that was Tom was smiling mm-hmm. at them. that was Tommy <laughs> Toverville's a center in Alabama now uh, I, I guess that's that's a step up um, it's a pay decrease though <laughs> some of this is gonna like I think that even post this shenanigans with Harson uh, I think Auburn will be more attractive than it was during the search that got them Harsin because you're going to have an AD who you know the boosters actually support and a president who you know the boosters actually support. And I don't think that was the case during the Harson search. You had a president that they believed was you know going to be out pretty soon and a an AD picked by that president who I don't think the boosters really wanted to have quite as much AD power uh, as he did. I think now, look, the boosters may be running this thing, but at least they'll be aligned with the people who have those nominal titles
3: going forward. When is a school going to figure out they're, they're wasting so much money on things that don't matter and start spending it on things that do? Because, and I think Auburn would be the perfect school to figure this out. Like, like books? Huh? No, yeah, No. So here's what I mean. We should sell Auburn that we can do a better job than Brian Harson for a heck of a lot cheaper because I'll take the head job. I'll be the head. I'll be the face. All right. I'll be the face right. of the program. I'll go out and recruit. Pay me 2 million bucks. We'll give all you guys 1 million bucks. We're still way under. We can still go out and hire a really good staff. Bud can run the defense. Tom can be the offensive run game guru. And Chip, you can be the coach of culture. Like that yes, can be right. your thing. And <laughs> then <laughs> all we'll bring back Barton. We'll get the whole band together. We'll get Barton in here. He'll be our GM. And guess what? So we're only at about 3000000 bucks. million. Let's take the other seven that's left over and we'll spend it on players. We're like – because all these rumors about where what pe- – let's actually just be upfront about it. When is the school going to just flip the script and say instead of writing these checks for buyouts for coaches not to do anything – why don't we take that risk and put it on players and start buying the best classes that money can buy and go get a coach who may not is the hottest name, but he can coach like all you have to do is put a squad out there with a pretty <laughs> decent game plan. And if it's made up of all four and five stars like Nick Saban has, then maybe you have a better chance to win eight or nine games than you do now. I like. what he's got to figure this out. You right, buy yeah, me I gotta five.
1: You buy me five five star offensive linemen and a five star running back, and I will coordinate the hell out of our run exactly.
3: game. <laughs> I, we, we could
4: probably get. We could probably get five five star offensive linemen for like, you know, four million a year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that. That or excuse me, four million over four years. I, I think yeah. that's probably doable. Like it, it, it's what's what's it take? Maybe. So first of all, we would not host our junior day on the same day that Alabama hosts theirs. Like, <laughs> right. even if we scheduled our first, which Auburn did schedule theirs first, once Alabama's like, hey, ours is this day, we're like, oh, uh, weather, weather concerns, right? We're going to move it to this day because we're just, A, like, that's a market inefficiency that I don't want to, like, go up against. And then, B, like, we we know who the players are, right, in the seven on and the the yeah. trainer community. And, like, all right, so you need 20000 to get a bus of these four and five stars to, to my my junior day? I'm willing to do that. My contract's guaranteed. Right? Like I'll take less loose... money. Just don't fire me. Like, like, I just don't want any cause in my contract.
0: A loosely <laughs> you coached team of four and five stars is basically just Texas football. What we are offering <laughs> is a cheaper version of going every five.
3: Exactly. <laughs> so probably, I guarantee you we can beat <laughs> Kansas. I guarantee you that. We're yes. going to beat Kansas <laughs> with our culture because we got you coaching <laughs> up the culture, Chip. That's I mean, right. That's really tougher than that.
0: All right. Uh, we finally, because Auburn and Brian Harson have settled their differences and decided to move forward, we have completed the coaching carousel. We will be back on the other side breaking down some of these hires as five-star hires, four-star hires, three-star, two-star, any one-star hires out there. We'll get into grading and rating the coaching carousel next.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.
0: So, I had a lot of fun trying to assign star ratings. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying I'm very proud of my star distribution. I have four five stars, I have four one stars, and I am pretty even distribution across my two stars, three stars, and four stars. Uh, I found it to be uh, a lot better than trying to go letter grade, and so i 'll say that uh, I, I guess Tom, this was your idea to, to tackle it this way, uh, maybe maybe something that we uh, we continue to rock moving forward. So I wanted to begin at the the very top um, how many five star hires? have you all identified from this cycle? Which, by the way, is pretty significant. Uh, 28 coaches changed in a 99-day period. And they were some of the most notable ones in all of college football, LSU and Florida, Notre Dame and USC, the Pacific Northwest powers of Oregon and Washington, Oklahoma, Miami, Virginia Tech. It's a lot of programs that matter and matter in ways that we talk about the sport and in the ways that we kind of play it up. So, when we review this coaching carousel, you know, in another off-season activity is always to go back three years, four years, five years, and see how those coaching hires and that coaching carousel look now with a little bit more uh, perspective. They, these are hires that matter. Doesn't mean they're all going to work out, but they're all hires that matter, and I think that's what makes it pretty cool. So, how? What are some of the? We'll start with the, the five star, um, the five star hires in everyone's eyes. How many of them there were, and if there's any differing opinion on that.
1: I have two five-star hires.
0: Okay. was a little bit more liberal. I yeah, have got two. two. Okay. Right, so what are the two five-star hires, Tom?
1: Uh, Lincoln Riley to USC and Mario Cristobal to Miami. I, I think that it's a combination of everything you kind of need for the gig and, per, and far as like, you know, he's got coaching experience. We already know that. So we've seen him head coaching at different places. Uh, they are good recruiters. Um, and they are good fits for where they are. I think Lincoln Riley's a good fit for Southern California, and we know Mario Cristobal's a great fit for Miami. So I think that for everything that you put on your checklist of what those jobs want, they accomplished it. So for me, those are the only two five-star hires this cycle.
4: I agree with that. Um, so at 24-7 Sports, we do not take into account where the guy is going when we do our grades, right? Like, you know, yes, if, you do. If,
1: Once they go to Illinois, you take a star off of them. Well, of course, Barton's
4: but that's, already that, admitted that, that's to this. Ol- okay, Tom, we just try to like match up the state tax w- w- with <laughs> our ratings tax,
1: right?
4: <laughs> so you know, it, it's it's just consistency's sake. Um, but so if Lincoln Riley goes to USC two years ago with how USC was spending and what the administration they had, is that a five star hire? If Cristobal goes to Miami. Uh, and they don't have, you know, the the crypto ball, uh, as Tom Tom noted on the last show. Danny you missed this, but basically oh, he's yeah. like, "Hey, uh, Chris Ball is bankrolled by all these crypto bros, so he's kind of crypto ball now, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. great." Um, so, I, I think that I, I gave these guys five stars because they are proven head coaches. Uh, they're both really good recruiters. Um, they both have shown good on field performance, but also because that they have basically been able to name their price and say, "Hey, like." If you want me, you have to get this kind of big-time spending up. And USC is doing that, like just what we're hearing as far as what they're throwing out for the off-field positions, and so is Miami. So uh, that's the reason I gave the five stars to Mario and to Lincoln Riley.
0: So you fall short. Were those your two as well, Daniel? Yes.
3: No. Oh, sorry. I, I, had had Brian,
0: I had Brian Kelly and Billy Napier also as five-star hires. So, so I, had those I two. Had-
3: Go ahead. So we have different group of five stars. So we're not to like it will be four point seven stars, I guess, on some of these. Uh when we average <laughs> them all out. I had Lincoln and I had Brian Kelly as five stars. I did not have Mario as a five star. Um I thought you've got two coaches that had really separated themselves with a longer run of consistent success. Uh and I still think Brian Kelly, I think he's probably the best hire out here, but the landing has been dicey, which You know, and a lot of that's personality-driven. And LSU is a funky place, and you had the accent, you had, um, you know, the dancing, and then you miss out on that guy. Like some of that stuff is just ancillary. But I think, I think in the end, I think he's got like he's got the track record. He's won everywhere he's been. It's got to happen quick. But once he gets the buy-in, I think they could use somebody a little more disciplined like him. So I think he's, and and I think Lincoln Riley with the run he's had at Oklahoma. You know, granted he hasn't come up. Um, in the playoffs yet, but I still think he's uh, the run of success. I believe is a little bit longer, so I'm a little bit more willing to trust those guys with a five star grade than I am with Mario or Napier.
0: Does uh, does Napier hit four stars for everyone? Uh, Napier is
1: a four star for me, as was Brian Kelly, and I I agree I, I with take, you.
0: If we're do, if we're keeping track of like a, a show rating here, I can take Napier to a to a high four star rating as. That was, that was probably my last five star in.
1: I'd say Billy's a, a solid four star for me. Brian's a high four. I just, the, the only thing I dinged Kelly for is, and I think that what he did at Notre Dame was kind of. It's overlooked far too often by a lot of people, the job that he did and the consistency that he put together and kind of just the foundation he's put in place. But I just, like you were kind of hitting at Danny, like the cultural fit. I just have some questions about how that's going to work in the long run. Maybe Brian, you know, he'll, maybe he'll adapt and he'll become, you know, just a good old Bayou kind of Southern boy. But I just, it's like I think of Brian Kelly, who grew up in the Northeast, spent his career in the Midwest, the Northeast, suddenly down in LSU in a place where he's not used to being. And it's like, I understand that LSU has a huge recruiting advantage in that state and that's you know it almost recruits itself in that sense it's just I like we talk about like but like Brian Harson coming into Auburn and his ability to you know recruit southern athletes I wonder about the same thing with Brian Kelly honestly so I I think that there's going to be success I think that there's a very high floor I just don't know if it's a five-star for me
4: okay I Brian Kelly was the one that, that I really thought about putting five stars on. Um, I will say just I'm against giving like grades to coaching hires anymore because there's so many things outside of just yeah. the head coach that, that matter and you have to have the alignment. Uh, but Kelly with the track record to me was pretty close to being a, a five star. It wasn't quite as splashy uh, maybe as, as the other two were. Um, and the other two are, I think, better recruiters than Brian Kelly is. Not maybe by a ton, but by a measurable amount. Um and are are we just going over our, our our four stars or are we going with job by job let's, or let's what, go, what let's go
0: job by job here. So um what's the I feel like we we've gotten a good feel for Riley and Cristobal. If you've got any notes on those, f- feel free to take that. Kelly and LSU. Um we could we could go ahead and take it. I know the rest of the guys are, are pretty much four stars across the board. So uh Napier, Venables, or Freeman, whichever one of those you want to go ahead and grab and get us going.
4: I I, I put four on Billy Napier. Um, I, I think it says something that he, he turned down several jobs uh, recently, and uh, he has got Florida to spend more money. Uh, now, I use that argument to make uh, Lincoln Riley and Mario Cristobal five stars. And I think the difference here is the proven track record in the power five as opposed to in the Sun Belt uh, and also the, the name value. Right. Kids out there, boosters out there know who Lincoln Riley and who Mario Cristobal are. I'm not really sure that most recruits or most boosters, if you showed them a photo of Billy Napier, they would know who that is. And I think he'll do a good job at Florida, uh, which is why I gave him four stars. But I don't think he's necessarily quite as much of a slam dunk, uh, maybe as the other two are, assuming that that level of booster support for for Riley and Cristobal uh, remain what it is.
0: I found myself moving Napier ahead of – some of, the, some of the other hires or we just didn't have the head coaching experience where I might be very excited out of what you did as a coordinator, but when he's got like Sunbelt Championship and proven division titles, those are big time tiebreakers for me that had me moving Napier uh, ahead of some of these other very high profile, very talented based on the results assistant coaches who are getting power five jobs now.
1: I had Napier at four. I had Freeman at four. I have Venables as a three.
0: Well, let's talk about it. All right. Yeah, I did too. too.
1: Yeah, I just, I I don't think it's a very exciting hire. And I, I think that too, like Oklahoma fans, while they will never admit it, I feel like the way that they've responded to everything and the way that they're kind of holding on and they're still very bitter about what Lincoln Riley has done. I think kind of speaks to how they feel about the hire too, because Brent Venables is a great defensive coordinator and he has been for a very long time. I have absolutely no questions that he's going to come in and that defense is going to be good. It is going to be well-coached. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be all that fun stuff, but he's never been at the head of the table. He's never been in charge of the program. And I just don't know How that's going to go. So I think that this has he has a chance to be, you know, one of those three stars that becomes an NFL all-pro player that everybody see the graphics like nobody believed in this guy out of high school. They only gave him, you know, made him one of the top 10% players in the world. But like, I just think that there's also a chance that this is kind of like a rebound more than anything. Like, okay, well, we we gotta get the guy we know won't leave us. We got to get the guy
4: we know is loyal to us.
3: Yeah, sorry, Danny. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I kind of I was trying to like come up with criteria, like how do you justify these? So I wanted to have a lengthy run of success for five stars. For for, the difference for me between four star and five star was meaningful head coaching experience. So that's why some of these guys were left off because I didn't have Marcus Freeman as a four star, though I like it. But the fact we haven't seen him as the head guy taking over that position. I'm just like, and maybe, and that's kind of where I went with Venables too. Trust me, I work with an Oklahoma guy every day on the radio, and Dusty, <laughs> and I have a very good pulse of the Oklahoma fan base because they are they're they're I, and it's almost like they're trying to sell themselves that mm-hmm. like they're so happy that Lincoln Riley left and now an they mm. now they've got their guy who really wants to be there. People have and figured out know, Lincoln's
1: like, offense.
3: Right, right. Exactly. Now I do think it was great that he got Jeff Levy to come join him. Like I think that's a huge, that's a huge like feather in his cap, which is going to help things. Their recruiting class, they were able to maintain. Didn't they finish top 10? I think they were still up there in the top 10, which might have been one of the highest of the coaching turnover grades uh for like recruiting classes. But like you were saying, you don't know how somebody's gonna be when they're at the head. I think it might work out, and maybe it is one where you know, that it, it's perfect fit, but I got to see more of a run. And for somebody who's always been a great coordinator, some guys are just that. And it's not an indictment on them, a negative indictment. I don't think it should be. Some guys are just born coordinators, and they're great at that job. But once they become the head man, it, it's just a different job responsibility. It's a different job description. Some of them flourish with zero problem whatsoever. Some of them don't. That's why I kind of wanted to see at least some head coaching experience in my four-star guys.
0: The four-star ranking for Brent Venables takes into consideration the position that Oklahoma was in at the beginning of the hire. The fact that Oklahoma did not fire a head coach and then go out to have to you know, justify that firing and the fact that Oklahoma, based on everything we could tell, was pretty caught off guard, or at least it moved very, very quickly, and that the hire of Brent Venables with the presence of Bob Stoops, with the retention of some key assistants as well as key support staff, I I probably am given a, a, a bump here to the idea of continuity and the idea that Oklahoma was left with a position it did not want, and yet it was able to have a result of getting someone who we've looked at as potentially a great, a good head coach for a couple seasons now, and he gets the opportunity to inherit a great situation. So I I'll go more on the positive side, probably uh, lending some, uh, some lenience towards Oklahoma since it wasn't like this was a, a position they wanted to be in.
1: That positivity is why you are the head of our culture.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about, the, what about Notre Dame, the hire of Marcus Freeman? How'd, how'd we grade it?
1: I gave it a four but that's also mostly because like you can make a lot of the same arguments i just made for brent venables about marcus freeman i'm just a really big marcus freeman fan and i think he's a terrific recruiter and i think that he's kind of perfect for that job and i think that he's kind of got the charisma and the personality for it and i think that notre dame is in a in a better position, like I can't I, now that I think about it, like Oklahoma moving to the SEC probably does impact the way I view that higher because I just don't know if Venables is going to be able to take the Sooners into the SEC and really compete from the start. Whereas I think Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame is probably going to continue having a lot of success.
0: I gave it four.
4: I gave so, it a three. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a today. bud.
3: I, yeah, go I, ahead. I,
4: I think there's a lot to like here, uh, but also Marcus Freeman has never been a head coach and i think there's a pretty good chance that it works out uh, but also this is notre dame and that's a hell of a job and you gave it to a guy with no head coaching experience now look there are great examples out there including the guy who just won the national title uh, of teams hiring somebody with no head coaching experience and then going and killing it And i do think he's probably going to improve their their, their recruiting uh, but do we know wh- what is marcus freeman's history of making hires Replacing staff if those successful hires get hired away, managing a staff, managing a culture. All the kids on that team seem to like him a lot, which is which is a great start. But as Dan noted, it is different as a head man. So I, I just I don't like throwing out a whole bunch of fours and fives here uh, personally, unless I think it's really a a slam dunk, like relative to to how the program you know could have done.
3: Um. I gave him three stars in Notre Dame. I gave Marcus Freeman a three star. Now I love the hire. Like I I, but I was trying to stick to this criteria. Like, you got to have head coaching experience to get there. Here's how much I like it. I think Notre Dame should be worried. If he has as much success that Brian Kelly had, the NFL is going to be really attractive. And the NFL, in who needs to find more black coaches, if they start looking around. Marcus Freeman's going to be a prime candidate. If he wins in a year or two at Notre Dame, and he wants to, maybe he's a college guy for life and he's like, Hey, I'm good here. But if he wants to, I think the NFL would come calling for him. He's impressive. He's really impressive. Three star, but watch out for the NFL. Like he hey listen. But if that's what I'm saying, like if he he could say Hey, Cooper Cup was a zero star. Else, but like where I know I know you could say like you're gonna go to LSU, but I was gonna say, where else are you are gonna go? What's next for you if Marcus Freeman, like and you're climbing that coaching ladder, clearly it would love they would love for it to be a Notre Dame National Championship, would be it. But if Brian Kelly saw that he was maxed out, and we'll see, like, because if they don't if they don't open things up with the recruiting and you know, all this talent acquisition business, it might just be getting to the playoffs is all they can do. You know, but you know Marcus
0: Freeman could have his eye on Columbus. If the NFL yeah. comes and sniffs around for Ryan day, then he gets to go back to his alma mater and take over a program. Very open in the talent acquisition business. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, all right. We got, uh, what about Oregon? Dan Lanning hired, Georgia's defensive coordinator, wins the national championship, arrives in Eugene. You are replacing Mario Cristobal, a five-star hire for Miami. What kind of grade?
1: Three stars. Just to be consistent, no head coaching experience, good defensive coordinator. We know he's going to have an emphasis on recruiting, which I think gives him a higher ceiling. Uh, But again, until you're at the head of the table. And another thing too, like, With defensive coordinators, like when Lincoln Riley took over at Oklahoma, I was high on that hire because I'd seen Lincoln Riley's offense and I saw what it was able to do to teams because they weren't quite prepared for a lot of what they were getting yet. It's easier to do that with an offense than it is with a defense because, you know, the offense is going to dictate play for the most part. Defense is kind of just, you know, trying to contain what an offense is doing to you. So I worry about that. And that's one of the things that it's like kind of limits that hire to me for three stars. But I think it's a good hire for Oregon.
0: Four stars, but I'm I'm already clearly. Whoa! I mean, it's, four stars. It, we got
1: a landing stand over here.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> no. I just I've, I've, I'm quickly seeing it come apart. That when my four stars are Venables, Freeman, Lanning, Tedford, Pry, and Elliott, I'm just like, all right, well, I'm I'm clearly out out ahead on a few of these names that are going to end up falling a little bit short. Maybe maybe I am uh, not given support that should be given mm-hmm. elsewhere, but I I think that for where Oregon is at right now, to be able to get somebody. Uh, who might have a really bright future. It is not all that different to what they did with Mario Cristobal when they promoted him when Willie Taggart left. Oregon is that kind of Power 5 job where you are looking for successful Power 5 coordinators to give them an opportunity, access to all the resources and the opportunity to win. You know, you could say that Mario Cristobal may be underachieved given USC... Uh, Falling well short of its expectations during his time with the Ducks and, you know, being in the mix for Pac 12 championships, but not always converting that into a Pac 12 championship, not converting that into a college football playoff. I think that Dan Lanning is the kind of coach uh, and the kind of hire that Oregon football makes. So, I mean, not a five star, but I felt comfortable as a low four.
4: I went three there. Um, I think to Tom's point about like knowing what his own offense looks like, I, I, I really think Dan Lanning is probably a pretty good coach. But I think that because people have told me because the defenses he's been in charge of have been really good and he's been a really good recruiter. However, there was still some risk in Georgia taking Kirby Smart from Alabama because that was always Nick Saban's defense. This is Kirby Smart's defense at Georgia. And again, there's a lot of stuff that we just don't know. How will Dan Lanning run a program? How will he manage his staff? How will he make hires like that? Those are all kinds of, of, of things that just I need to have more confidence in that um, if I'm going to give you four stars or or, heck, five stars.
1: And how effective will that be defense be without 15 NFL players? on Thank
3: you. That's my that's what makes me a little more worried yeah. about it. Like, yeah. again. About our formula, us being coach, see Tom be a really good run game coordinator. He had five five star offensive linemen in front of him. But like, and that's essentially what Dan Lanning had. He had all the talent in the world. He'll have good talent. Um, but it's not going to be the same. And he doesn't need the same, to be fair. Like, so he doesn't have to have that much talent to be really good defensively in the Pac-12. What I think is going to make a challenge for him is you know, USC like if we're all kind of bullish on Lincoln Riley, which I am, and I think they could have a quick turnaround, like you're not going to just be rolling out Pac-12 championships, you know, the way that Oregon fans may think you should. I mean, I don't know. So I think that's going to be a challenge for me. I don't think they're going to have a run in the, uh, in the Pac-12 with USC kind of coming back, or at least that's what I think is going to happen. So we also have, and we can,
0: take this conversation here in just a second to the the rest of those Pac-12 North changes but you know Calen DeBoer's in at Washington, Jake Dickert promoted after being the interim at Washington State. Uh, you look at what Jonathan Smith has going at Oregon State, David Shaw trying to get Stanford back on its feet as you look across the division, even after the coaching changes, Dan Lanning inheriting a program that should be power ranked, rated, predicted or whatever first in the Pac-12 North.
1: Yeah, but they do lose a lot. So
0: What do you think? I mean, still the team to beat, right?
3: Probably. Yeah, they've got to be the favorite, but that's the problem. The expectation is going to be they should win the division. Yeah, I I feel like the Pac-12
1: North champion next year could easily be six and three.
3: Stanford, here we go. This is it. They got that recruiting top twenty recruiting class. Let's go. Mm
0: All right, what about the grades for Kalen DeBoer's hire at Washington? Former Fresno State coach uh, gets the tap. It was one that kind of seemed to get thumbs up more or less at the time. Um, I know that we discussed it in a mailbag episode. How many stars
4: did you give it?
3: Three. three. Yeah, I it but three. I
4: almost gave it four.
3: Yeah, three. I, I like. Know. I did two. So I had two yeah. that I almost gave one. We'll come back to the Big 12 later. But I talked to Kalen DeBoer. Remember I was all on Indiana's bandwagon? A lot of it was because of, the, like, Tom Allen did a great job culturally getting people back, but Kalen DeBoer did a great job with the offense specifically. And then you saw what he did uh, at Fresno with Jake Hamer and having the year, that the success that he had with him. And I like it. Like, he's a fit regionally, having spent some time at Fresno State before and after the stint in Indiana. Like, I think it's a good fit all around. And I think Washington, like, clearly there was, there was something toxic going on with Jimmy Lake. I wasn't blown away with that hire. But I still think they have some talent to win. And I think they're closer than we might think to being, you know, a contender in the division. I mean... So
4: defensive performance is much more highly correlated with star ratings than offensive performance is. Like we know this. It's the same thing year after year. Star ratings are much better on defensive players than they are on offensive players. And defensive coaches, cover your ears real quick because you're going to hate to hear this. That means you can do more as far as like controlling your own destiny on the offensive side of the ball with coaching. You know, Mike Leach's offenses outperform their recruiting rankings, his defenses do not. We see this pretty consistently across the sport. I think DeBoer is a really, really good offensive coach. I think he's going to bring some excitement to that program. I think his quarterback development will help them be competitive in that division year after year. And, you know, if they're able to recruit better on the defensive side of the ball, uh, then, you know, heck, maybe they'll be able to actually make some noise there in that division and, and win the thing. But I I... He's a guy I could see getting stolen away after three or four years there. He also has some head coach experience.
0: So Washington is a step like stepping stone to a Big Ten job or an SEC job or a job with a bigger paycheck. Because in terms of Yeah, I think so. In terms of power five jobs, I consider it upper half of the Pac twelve.
1: And USC took Oklahoma's coach and LSU took Notre Dame's coach. There is no job that There's no rules stepping stone job at this point. Um, (laughs) Very true.
0: All right. What about Jake Dickert at Washington State?
1: I gave that a three. I thought it just made a ton of sense.
0: You you finished the job. You finished the job of the season. Team seemed to rally. Makes sense. Three stars here.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a situation where you were excited to be firing your coach to begin with. It was kind of just circumstantial. So to be able to get as much continuity as you possibly can, given the situation, it's hard to say it's a great hire. It's hard to say it's a bad hire. Three stars.
0: Danny, when you mentioned the Big 12, do you want to take us to Texas Tech or do you want to take us to TCU?
3: TCU. Um, I like the Sonny Dykes fit. I do. Um... I think TCU is a program that kind of just, and I, I like Gary Patterson a lot, but I think they just needed like some fresh, a breath of fresh air. Uh, they get it with somebody who, you know, was living on campus at SMU so he could recruit the era. So, I mean, he's very, you know, intimately familiar with the Dallas-Fort Worth area, with Texas, you know, having the history of Texas Tech. Like he just, I think it's going to be a really good fit. So I, that's the one where I was going to go three and a half stars as well. Um, I like it a lot.
0: I'm at three and I am wrestling with um, an unfair judgment of Sonny Dykes, perhaps unfair, that at SMU, it, they seem, they were a team that in ways that we could benefit from in the locks podcast, very, very different against the worst teams and than it was against the best teams. And that when SMU went against comparable or better competition, you found yourself like, man, like, Seems like they've got a lot of talent. On most Saturdays, they're able to light up the scoreboard with this offense, but it's kind of inconsistent right now. And I'm using that to kind of curb some of my expectations. That said, as the hire, I think it was a it was a very good hire for SMU. I uh, for TCU, uh, I give it three stars.
1: Yeah, I gave it three as well. I think that it's it's a high floor hire in that you know exactly what you're getting because you've already seen plenty of Sunny Dikes running a program. It's just I don't think there's much ceiling to it.
4: I was between two and three here. Um, like, I, I think he did a, a fine job at SMU. What tipped it was was the fit, just knowing how well he knows that area, I, I think will, will help him quite a lot, as Danny mentioned. But I wasn't, like, super impressed, as, as Chip and Tom said, with how they played when they played somebody of kind of equal talent. Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. It just it doesn't blow me away.
0: So, Bud, what about Texas Tech with Joey Maguire?
4: Ah, There's all these kind of vibes there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I gave it two stars. Um, Like It might work out really well, uh, but and maybe I'm I'm a dummy for this, right? Maybe I I should give it three stars because Texas Tech is not trying to shoot the moon. They're trying to find the inefficiencies in the recruiting market so that they can consistently go to bowl games. And if that's their goal... Which I don't think it is, but if that's their goal, and I think it probably should be, um, then maybe McGuire can do that. I, I mean, I'm almost going to raise this on air. Like, I think Deruder a fine hire. I think Kitley's actually a really good hire for the offensive coordinator side of the ball, given what he did, you know, at at at, a, at Baptist and also at Western Kentucky. But, I man, I don't know. That that's that's a bit of a jump. I gave it a three star. You know, like, but when when you're when you're
1: rating a recruit, a high schooler and it's like, man, there's a lot of tools there. It hasn't put any of them together yet, but like there's, there's some, there's a chance for this kid to be pretty good. If he gets coached up, gets developed and figures things out. That's kind of how I feel about this hire. I feel like it's, it could blow up. It could be terrible, but they're also, if things click and they figure out and his ability, you know, his high school knowledge and his connections in that state, if he's able to get some talent that maybe Texas tech couldn't get, or other teams are kind of unaware of because of it. There's a higher ceiling, so I gave him a three-star rating.
3: I go to I'm a, like, I don't know. I think it's a lot of cheerleading, a lot of raw. Like, I hope it works. But is Texas Tech that much different than Auburn? Just on a smaller scale? <laughs> like the way this unfolded, the way they gave Matt Wells the boot, like boosters get involved. Like I don't know I I don't know if this is like a like everyone wants the next Mike Leach that's the expectation it's 10 11 wins I mean the advantage you have is that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving so maybe it does become more attractive and that becomes more obtainable but I don't know I feel like the expectations are a little off the charts and with somebody who doesn't have a ton of experience in college and calling plays or anything like I don't know I'll I'll be curious to see how this one pans out, so I'll go two stars.
0: I gave it two stars, but I like vibes. I (laughs) I like the the idea that there's just this energy. I mean, remember the man got hired and they ended up winning like three of their final six games or something? I mean, it's something to be said, just not in my star
3: rating. (laughs) Two stars. Those vibes are awesome in the offseason. They really are. Like Mm -hmm. when you're the new guy, they're great. We had a special teams coach now, this is, this is NFL, so the, the vibes don't work at all. <laughs> and he was big into, like, the collegial, like, rah-rah atmosphere. So he comes in the special teams meeting, and the first thing he said is everybody on the team is going to be at the special teams meeting. So you've got guys that are pro bowlers, quarterbacks who never have to go to the team, you know, special teams meeting, like everyone has to go. Offensive linemen that have been there forever have to go to this meeting. And he, so he has this big meeting, like it's the first day of like training camp and like half of us don't want to be there. And he's bringing all this energy and he's like, all right. And it's one of those ones where it's like, "Good morning," and he's like, "What? I can't hear you." No. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. And then he was like, "Give me a clap," and he was like trying to do this clap like special teams cheer. I'm telling you, it was the poorest I'd ever seen. Seen a coach received, and you like you kind of have to at the NFL. You have to buy in, but no one was buying in. I've seen like the false enthusiasm just fall short. Like at some point, you've got to get results. So I don't know. Not to say like I saw him come out at the bowl games firing everybody else. Like that energy is great, and it works more in college than it does in the NFL. But you better win. All right, let's uh let's t- make sure let's hit the uh, the ACC
0: here. Um, Brent Pry at Virginia Tech.
1: Yeah, you said you gave him four. Yeah. Explain it. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I, on this.
0: I needed. I needed to f- come up with some grouping. I had Brent Pry and Tony Elliott grouped together. I had them ahead of Jerry Kill, Sonny Dykes, Rhett Lashley, Jake Dickert, and it seemed like a dividing line based on the idea that they had both been high-level coordinators at some of the seven to ten most successful programs of the last four to five years. It, it felt like a a grouping, and it felt like a little bit of a dividing line where, um, I. It ended up being a low four-star for me. I gave
1: three. For the same reasons I gave Venables three, for the same reason I gave Lanning three, all those coordinators. I think Freeman's the only coordinator that head coaching experience I gave a four-star hire to.
4: Yeah, uh, I gave it a three as well. Um, the the offensive coordinator hire there is is interesting in, in, in Tyler Bowen. We'll see how that works. Uh, again, I think Brent Pry is a, a solid recruiter. We'll see how much talent you can get to Virginia Tech. Uh, the one thing I, I'm a little bit worried about is sort of the the rebound effect where if you have an offensive guy, then you go get a defensive guy. We're gonna get back to our roots. Blah, 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 I think blah, that's. Blah. I think
0: the rebound is recruiting. Justin Fuente wasn't awesome well, okay. on the recruiting trail, and so we're but, actually
4: going to recruit. <laughs>
0: yeah, and so Brent Pry, who by the way was getting prospects from Virginia and taking them to Penn State, it's like instead of losing Justin Fuente and his staff losing recruiting battles to Brent Pry, let's go hire Brent Pry, and he's going to be able to maximize his relationship with all those with his Virginia ties to the Virginia high school football situation and help improve that. Like it is the ping pong but the ping pong is an offensive defense as much as what are you doing to keep the best talent in this state or to acquire the best talent that's in this state.
4: That's fair. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I'm right with Tom no, no head co- and with Danny, no head coaching experience, um, but you know, well-respected as a coordinator, not really one of these coordinator names though, that was really hot for other jobs. Like people weren't like, Oh my God, they got Brent Pry. I can't like, you know, they didn't get him and they didn't get him. And who is they? Right, we're we're just the media on this, and routinely, like coaching grades are hilariously wrong. Minor, they make star rating grades look perfect. So uh,
3: we'll see. So should we just stay in the ACC? Yeah, because there's a couple ACC names on here I haven't got many stars. Which I don't know. How if many that's did you possible. give it
0: to Tony Elliott? Oh, and hit the like button, by the way. There's like hundreds yeah. of y'all watching right now, and I we don't have likes that match up with that. Smash that. Smash that like button. We appreciate it. Make you a five star hire.
3: <laughs> yeah. Would you get Tony Elliott two and a half? Okay. Do you feel bad about it? Yeah, I do. Cause I feel like if this was a year ago, we might all have been given four stars or, you know, at least high three. But I, I'm wondering because there's one of either two things that happens like DJ, DJ DJ's 2021 season. Right. But to me, like there still was a lot of talent on that roster. Like you should like great coaches maximize the talent. They don't try to keep calling the same things and then say, well, this is the player's fault. Like you figure out what's going on with your players and then you play to their strengths. And it just felt like there were just, you know, why aren't these plays working? And it was very much like banging your head into a wall. If you're a Clemson fan, the defense was playing lights out and the offense just could not develop. So maybe that was all on DJ Uyungle. Maybe there wasn't an option. I mean, I know they went to uh, Fomachon for a little bit, but it just, you know, that maybe there wasn't another option. But it just, like, so his star dropped a lot. But I also wonder, when I I look at, you know, Jeff Long and him together, who were, um, not Jeff Long, Jeff Scott, uh, co-offensive coordinators, Jeff Scott hasn't crushed it at South Florida. I worry that it's kind of like the Dan Lanning. What are you going to do when you coach somewhere else without all those five stars? Because Mm -hmm. they had a lot of talent at receiver, you know, ultimate talent at quarterback, great running backs. Good. Like they had talent all across the field. So then you find out if guys can really coach when they go somewhere and they don't have as much talent. Now, Dan Lanning, we know he's going to be able to get the talent to Oregon, but at, Virginia, are you going to be able to pull that same type of talent? No, you're going to have to beat people schematically. And that's where I don't know if I have a ton of confidence.
1: Yeah, I I gave him three stars as well.
4: I gave him three only because I feel like he was kind of picky uh, with certain jobs. And I don't know Tony Elliott well, but I do know somebody who knows him really well. And this guy was like, look, he's going to take an academic school. Mm -hmm. He's a guy who really feels that he meshes well and can recruit high-level academic kids. And he told me this like two years ago, so this is not a a hindsight thing. It's just something I've always kind of kept in the back of my mind. You know, If Harbaugh had left uh, before last season, I was like, wonder if Michigan would take a look at Tony Elliott because that's a fairly high academic institution, right? Uh, So I think the fit makes sense. I'm a little uh, not out, but just I'm monitoring uh, the coordinator hires there. We'll see how those work out, John Rodzinski and, uh, and Des Kitchings. Um, we'll see, but I, I I do like that overall fit thing. Like it, it's it's not enough for me to give him a two, so I, I'm I'm going to go and give him a three.
1: Yeah, it's Even it's a hire that makes it's a hire that makes a ton of sense from a lot of different angles. It's just like you were saying, Danny, like for me, when it comes with offensive coordinators, one of the things that gets me pumped up is like, all right, schematically I could see you're doing some interesting things. Clemson's offense has not really been anything incredible to me. It was just, it had Trevor Lawrence. And before that, it had Deshaun Watson. And so it's going to be interesting to see that. But I think Virginia makes a lot of sense from the aspect that if you look at Clemson, which is, you know, that's where Chip cut his teeth in the culture business because that is a culture program Virginia is the kind of place because of the academics, because of all that stuff where I feel like that could play better than a lot of other jobs. So I think that there's a pretty good chance of success there, too.
0: And when Tony Elliott uh, was asked a lot about name, image and likeness, like everybody else was on National Signing Day, he was very clear that the, the players that Virginia is in the running for aren't necessarily the same where you're talking about NIL bidding wars. And so it's a little bit of a different approach in terms of they're not ignoring it or those opportunities, but he he doesn't imagine that they're going to find themselves in that position. And also, um, it should be noted that I gave some bonus points for that cool $10.3 million that he freed up right before they announced him as the new head coach, when all the story storylines are Virginia doesn't spend on football facilities, and then mm-hmm. he went back and said uh uh gentlemen and ladies you can find that money somewhere and then boom the board of visitors just comes up with 10.3 million dollars <laughs> to transfer over to the athletic department earmarked for football improvement so he he might not be in the like recruiting nil bidding wars but he understands the arms race and he understands that even at a place like virginia which might be leaning more on the academic side of things y- you still can't be falling short when it comes to what you're doing uh off the field see oh yeah mike elko
4: three three i gave it a two Mm. um don't really love
0: coordinator like long history of being an excellent coordinator i true i give some it is
4: true at places where you can get talent for the most part now i to his credit he did do a good job at wake Mm -hmm. right where you can't get the same amount of talent um I do worry about a school like Duke going defense. Can you get difference making defensive linemen at Duke? I would go offense if I was at a school where it's very hard to recruit. And I would consider going triple if I was Duke. Like Cutcliffe, I think did absolutely like the best job you can do at Duke. And they made a couple bowls under him, like in a Mm -hmm. row. That is really hard to replicate. So I mean, I'm not trying to be a hater here. I, I didn't give out a whole lot of two stars. I just um I, I how much of what he's done over the last six years
1: translates to Duke? I will say, while you're a million percent right in the correlation between talent and defense, his defenses are well coached, yeah, and I think that for Duke, like you're never going to get five star four star talent on the defensive side of the ball. So to have a well coached defense that is least prepared. I think is a good step as far as setting a floor for what Duke is going to be able to do to like, you know, Duke's not winning the ACC. It's not going to be winning division. It's not going to be doing any of that. But as far as just making a competent football team, I think he can bring a floor to that program on the defensive side of the ball because of his ability to coach up and develop on that side that that is a good reason to go forward for it. And then if they, like you said, if they can get anything going offensively, that's a team that could be, you know, going six and six, seven and five, getting to bowl games, which if you're a Duke fan, let's be real.
3: Hell yeah! Cool. Just give me the basketball season. You know what Duke should have done? They should have got a triple option coach. Yes, they should have brought in someone. like because you look at because I, I agree with the offensive mindset. Spurrier was a coach who had success. You know, ACC championship offense. Cutcliffe offense. I do wonder how this works. Um, fit wise, you know, being an Ivy League guy, like, hey, I think that you know he gets it what the academics entail. Um, so will be able to relate to the player, be able to sell Duke in that. Um I don't know. Could Duke be a Northwestern? Yes, is that yes. possible? Yeah. yeah, so I mean yeah, like well-coached defense dude, later, yeah. Guy, well coached yeah, guy. Yeah. So, but their offense has been atrocious and then oh, look, look what it's done there. <laughs> right.
0: But <laughs> you know? they made some Big Ten championship games. Yeah,
3: yeah. So maybe, maybe it is there. Maybe we're giving too much credit to the uh, offensive side.
0: I think that the the Mike Elko, his experience at Wake Forest, his experience at Notre Dame, his experience in those private school-type environments and, and understanding at different levels who you're recruiting, the national recruiting scene, I'm, I'm, in. I'm in. I'm a three-star in, but I'm, I'm three-star in on uh, on Mike Elko. All right, before Do we get you, out of here – oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, does anybody else – because I, I have two four-stars we haven't mentioned yet. Does anybody else have any well, like four or five stars we have not mentioned?
3: I've I have just, a Zero. I don't have his. Is it Jim Mora of a
4: half? (laughs) No, it's not Jim Mora. Um, My my
3: half star is Jim Mora because I feel bad for him. Like I covered him when he was UCLA, so he lived in you know uh, Brentwood out there in LA, sunny LA, and now he has to go to stores, Connecticut, where Bob Diaco wanted to change the paint color because it was too depressing, and wanted to give the players vitamin D supplements because they needed more sunshine. Like good luck trying to win at UConn. Oof. That's more an indictment on the program, though, than Jim Mora. I yeah. just think it's going to, he's in for a rude awakening. I don't know if he understands what he's getting into. What was your I have zero?
4: four, Tom? Oh, yeah. I want to hear your four and your zero. Uh, my four is Joe Moorhead. Uh, yeah. I think that they got really lucky at Akron that he just desperately wanted to be a head coach again. And he is sort of a, I know Akron's not in Pittsburgh, but he's, you know, he's, he's from that general area. I think he'll do a good job there. Um, like he easily could have gotten an OC job elsewhere and, and mm-hmm. a good one. Uh, but like, he's like, hey, look, I want to be a head coach. And I think they got lucky on that. My zero is unfortunately Ken Wilson, uh, at Nevada. Oh. And it's, oh. and it's not really a reflection on Ken Wilson. This is just like the hiring process at Nevada. They just don't, I don't know if it's accurate to say they won't spend any money. All that is factual, uh, I'm not really sure they have any money to spend. Like, that's the best you could do. I mean, do you guys know who Ken Wilson is? That I mean, He was like,
0: Oregon's defensive coordinator.
4: Yep. And he was an yeah. assistant at Nevada for a while, too. Exactly. I I, I think they were basically just like, hey, can like I find anybody years, to I take think. this thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm... I gave it three just because of his familiarity with the program. So at least he knows about the, like the process and like Oregon or Nevada where they're going.
0: I had a four-star uh, grade for Jeff Tedford to Fresno state.
4: Me too. Literally
0: yeah. proven results.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, you
1: know, it's not going to be a five-star result, but you know, exactly. You already know it works. So it's a four-star and that, yeah, my other four-star was Joe Moorhead because like you said, but like Akron does
4: not get coaches with that kind of CV. So for them to score that, that's a really good hire for Akron. Oh, the other thing on Ken Wilson, by the way, I I don't want to come off as like a major Ken Wilson hater. Um,
0: Ah, you're stuck there, buddy. Yeah, I am. (laughs) This is way too specific of a
4: take. (laughs) Um, You lost your head coach in in the same league. (laughs) Jay Norvell went to Colorado State. Like that tells me all I need to know about how not committed you are to making a good hire three-star losing the
1: Pac-12 it's really hard to win there that's the thing it's like Man. that's why like too, you saw like every single like for the last three years since since Norvell took that Nevada job you would see like in the coaching candidates list anytime a job came up Jay Norvell's name would be in there It'd be like I feel like he's trying to like hey hey
0: come on uh <laughs> do me a favor uh, this is this is a good question from chat of the four and five star coaches that we've discussed today who loses their job first
4: well, Chip, you got a bigger menu to select from. I'm going to say Tedford
1: because he'll retire. Boom. Easy cop out. Easy answer. He did say fired, though. Oh, he just said lose their job, didn't he?
0: I had mm. uh, from my big menu. So I would say that now. Dan Lanning at Oregon or maybe Brent Pry at Virginia Tech could find themselves facing... Early pressure at Oregon, probably because there's so much influx, including USC surging. So all of a sudden you're gonna find yourself way off pace. And at Virginia Tech, uh, maybe just because what Brent Pry is taking over from a personnel perspective is gonna be it's gonna take a couple cycles for him to get out of there. I I would think that both make it a couple years, but uh from my cheesecake factory menu of four stars <laughs> y'all got jokes yeah i'll say dan lanning or uh, or brent pry
4: give me brian kelly um yeah if it doesn't work it's going to be a disaster mm-hmm. like i think yeah i don't like the offensive coordinator hire mike denbrock at all like you watch what cincinnati did against Bama, or you're like yeah, i want some of that that's really that that's that's what i need um matt house i think is, is a pretty solid hire uh I do think that where you were on the big board of your school impacts how much wiggle room you have when you get to that school. It's pretty clear Lincoln Riley was either 1A or 1B at USC. Mm-hmm. Mario Cristobal was number one, I think, with a bullet at Miami. Unless, unless 10, 2, somebody. 3,
0: 4, and 5. Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: exactly. Uh, Billy Napier, I think like it's pretty clear. I mean, I know LSU didn't want him, but El- Florida definitely did and went out and got him. What choice was Brian Kelly for LSU? S- fifth? I thought
0: it was Sixth? a break glass in case of emergency situation.
4: Correct. Yeah. Which means you probably have less wiggle room. Uh, and the SEC is about to just have stupid money. I mean, like, they're, I think next year is the year they'll be more than double the, the annual payout of, like, the ACC. So we might say, oh, it's a big buyout. But it, it ultimately, it may not be that big of a buyout when when the money starts to get dumb, so uh, I'll go with Brian. I, mean, I only had four four guys that fit the category, uh, so
0: Brian Kelly. Any any other uh, any? Other, how about who's who's got the best chance to be able to succeed at a high
3: level from this group?
1: Uh, Lincoln
3: Riley. Yeah, I think no, I think also I think Lincoln Riley. I think Mario. I mean, think about the the roads to get there, um, and I think Venables, but I think Venables. Could be one of those ones that I'd be worried about because the expectation, the bar has been set so high that if it doesn't work, you know, they could, you know, we want this guy taking us to the SEC or one as soon as they get to the SEC, one bad year, which I think is probably what Lincoln Riley saw coming down the road. And one of the reasons he thought another opportunity was attractive because good luck making that transition. That fan base is going to think, oh, we're still getting 10, 11 wins a year. Good luck. I will say, get to coach in the SEC? I don't know. That's, I was good. Like, Yeah, I think you will because I think they'll do all right this he, year. Well, I don't know. Uh, they did lose a lot. Depends on, depends on how
1: quickly they can get there. <laughs> I I will say, though, like that's the thing. Like, you mentioned Fenables as being a chance for success. I I, I got to disagree because I, Oklahoma and Texas fans aren't going to want to hear it. But unless you're rooting for your like athletic department budget, I really don't think you're going to enjoy life in the SEC very much.
0: And who roots for their athletic department? That's budget? my point.
1: Like I think you're going to go from – you know, especially not, not so much Texas because you've been struggling, but like if you're Oklahoma, you're going to go from king of the mountain to just some other team pretty quickly.
3: And they're going to fit in perfectly because they're going to be the new LSU or the new Auburn. We should be 10, 11 wins. They're going to be start cycling through coaches. Well, they already do at Texas. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, a- ask West Virginia
4: about that. Yeah. Right. Ask TCU. A- ask these programs. Ask Maryland, these programs that took the check. In some cases, because they had to, but then now they got to take the L's. Like you took the check, and they are paying you to take some L's when you get to that new league, unless you're like a really, really, really like top five type program.
0: Uh, You're at least adding one L. The exchange of competition from uh, the Big Twelve to the SEC is minimum. Utah didn't take no L's.
4: Utah came ready to go. It took them a minute, didn't they?
0: It
1: did. They had they had an adjustment period, but they also had tremendous continuity yeah and they also benefited from the usc ucla kind of down cycles loading mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm. well the the coaching carousel at least here on february 14th with brian harson at auburn still in place uh it is completed <laughs> Please. Please, (laughs) We give C plus letter grades to every single one of them. And we hope you enjoyed our five star to one star rating here on the cover three podcast. We'll be back in like four years to look at this very group and see how things worked out and see whether how right or wrong our predictions were. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Pennelly. You can follow him at Elliot three. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you.